If someone asked you, who are you, what would you say? Would you begin to ramble on and on about what you do day in and day out? Would you talk about that nine to five job or the local charity work that you do? Or would you consider those two kids, your spouse and your golden doodle at home that you take good care of when answering this question? Once upon a time, I answered this question by listing my daily responsibilities and I was gently redirected with a no, 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 no. This is what you do, not who you are. Did you know that the average person blinks some 15 to 20 times per minute? Well, I probably blink triple the normal amount of times as I stared back into the brown eyes of a friend who wanted to know who I am. I took my time and literally had to ask myself, sis, who are you? It took me a while to really think about who I am. I mean, who really just sits around and thinks about themselves like that? I mean, I find this super awkward. But at that moment, I honestly wanted to ask her, well, girl, who do you think I am? I mean, what's my best qualities? But I could already hear her say, no, 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 again. So I took an uncomfortable step and came up with a few phrases that represent me. And as I declared that I am loyal, kind, a good listener mostly, patient, persistent, authentic, and creative, I couldn't help but to reference my creator, the one who created me to be all these things. And I couldn't help but to think about who he calls me in his word. You see, you can be a whole lot of things, but in his word, in the Bible, God reveals that we are many things. First and foremost, in the book of Genesis, God created us in his own image. That's a lot in itself, but we won't go that deep right now. I think if we really knew who we are, then we would surely be delivered from self. As you know, I'm an avid believer in being delivered from people, also known as being free from the opinions of others. But how can we be free from the judgment and critique of others if we aren't free from our own negative thinking? And how can we be unbound from these thoughts if we don't know what our creator says about us? Then how do we know what God says about us if we don't read his word or have relationship with him? But before I cause you to go down that rabbit hole of figuring all this out, relax. These questions are hypothetical. Or are they? But did you know that you are royalty? Our father is a king and we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Heirs meaning that we inherit what he has. And we are also a royal priesthood. We are kings and queens and we are sons and daughters that have direct access to God. Direct meaning we don't have to go through another human being. To get to him. We can just call on him and he hears us. We spend entirely way too much time trying to figure things out when we can easily dial 555-J-E-S-U-S. And we don't have to dial an operator to connect to him. He's a direct call away. And he's given us this access to him because he chose us. Meaning we are his chosen people. We are his possession. Meaning 
He wants us. In life, we sometimes want people who actually don't want us. We learned early on in kindergarten that Susie doesn't always want to be our friend. And when we graduated from high school, we learned that friendships can be fleeting. And then every five to ten years of adulthood, you may begin to gain some and lose some friends. But God is permanent. He's always there. You might not reference him as your homeboy like Van Zan Freighter called him in the 1980s. But he called him this because while being brutally beaten by a gang in South Central L.A., the gang members were saying to the shooter, kill him, homeboy, kill him. But as Freighter heard this, he looked at the shooter and said, no, Jesus is my homeboy. But in John 15 and 15, it says that he does call us friends. The chapter goes on to speak about how we didn't choose him, but he chose us. And he also calls us peculiar. We are created to be a peculiar people, meaning that we are different and we don't need to conform to the world. And speaking of this world with mental health and its awareness on the rise, especially due to the pandemic, social media is saturated with posts, memes, and reels about protecting your peace, setting boundaries, and more. Why? Obviously, we are enduring significant pain from one another if we need to set said boundaries and protect our peace. Luke 17 and 1 says that it's impossible that no offenses should come. So there's no way around the wrongdoing that spirals our way from close friends and family. It hurts, it stings, it cuts. But we are to uphold ourselves like the kings and queens that we are. And allow the words to fall to the ground that are not edifying. Remember, sticks and stones kept us cool as a fan in school, but it's in the trusting of our Lord and Savior that will keep us from filling up with indignation as if the person is the real enemy. Let's not forget the second letter that Paul wrote where he stated that we are new creatures. And when we become new, the old should be long gone, right? It's hard enough when people keep you in your past, but you know better. You let them think what they want, but you stand firm in the fact that you're forgiven, you're redeemed, you're free from sin and slavery, you're blameless and accepted. These are all words used in the New Testament to describe us because we had a not-so-ordinary man from Galilee willingly die on a cross for us. So literally, we are to die for. But still, somehow, we think so lowly of ourselves at times. I'm thinking this happens because antagonists like guilt, shame, humiliation, and contempt, stigma, and not to mention the imposter syndrome has a way of sneaking into our hearts and our minds. We think we can't overcome them, but once again, Paul tells us that there's no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Let's stay right there for a second. Part A of the scripture says that there's no punishment. There's no disapproval, no criticism, no judgment. And that sounds good, right? But part A can't happen without part B. The second part of Romans 8 and 1 reveals that you have to be in Christ. So part A can't happen without part B. Paul said it, not me, so don't kill the messenger. But many times we want to live this amazing life outside of God, but there's no promise there. There's no promise coverage outside of Christ. 
Colossians 3 and 3 states that we are hidden in him. And why would we want to live in this perverse world without protection? An abundant life is through Christ. Abundance of joy, peace, strength, and more. I could go on and on about who we really are, really could. I mean, there's about 1,200 pages in the good book that confirms just that. So when will you believe? When will you be free of who you think you are and embrace who God says you are? When will you accept the get-out-of-jail-free card that was mailed to you on the day at Calvary? Jesus traded his life for every little negative thought that comes to your mind about yourself. And it's time to let it go. It's time to walk in who you really are. It's time to walk in your purpose. Forget your past, forget what you did, forget what you said. It was buried on the hill and under a cross where Christ's blood was shed. So after listening to this and someone were to ask you, who are you? What would be your answer?